What's up, guys, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Neo Vintage Podcast. I'm Jabron. I'm here with Steve. Welcome back. And for you guys who have never seen the show before, we're just two guys that like to talk over the biggest stories in gaming, but we always like to start with what we've been playing. So, Steve, what you've been playing? Yeah, you know, uh, more continuation of uh, what we've been discussing. So, obviously, still playing Elden Ring. The game is huge. Uh, we've talked a little bit off camera on, on that. Um, I didn't really take a break. I had some personal, not not personal things. I had wisdom teeth pulled out, so I just lost a couple of days of my progress uh, due to sleeping. But I'm excited to get back in there. You've given me some tips on uh, how to progress a little bit more because I am getting to the point where it's like I now have to push a little to get through some of these uh, main bosses and progress actually the main campaign because uh, a lot of people forget there's actually a story mode and a main objective <laughs> in Elden Ring. Um, so I'm doing that. Um, not much more else to say about that. I think the last couple of weeks I've everything I believed and said about the game is just still true. Uh, still really liking it. Pretty much my game of the year. Um, so far, so that that's great. Uh, but the other one that we've been, uh, I've been playing, and something we talked about a little bit. Um, you had played the demo, so Kirby and the law. Uh, I'm sorry, Kirby, the Forgotten. What the heck is that Kirby game called now? Forgotten Lands or something like that. Yeah, the newest Kirby game on Switch. I'm <laughs> yeah. for some reason pulling a, a, a draw. Um, but the newest Kirby game on Switch. Uh, I remember you, you gave me some positive feedback on the demo. I played the demo. Uh, I think after you talked about it that day. And I liked it, and yeah, that, that end trailer really did sell me on, on the game, so I've been playing that a lot. Um, that was obviously something I could keep, keep on the go with me, um, and I was able to just really chug along, and what a really charming game. One, the game looks fabulous on the OLED, uh, the OLED Switch. I don't know what it looks like on a normal Switch, but I do know on the OLED, it looks so crisp, it's so beautiful. Especially, you know, Kirby games are known for just being pop and color, um, which obviously the OLED just takes it to a nice whole nother level really exciting i'm really actually using a lot of different powers um especially since they have those like uh the mini levels the little challenge levels that crack open uh where they give just give you the power and they're like you have to use this power for this uh you know is it, it, sometimes they're time trials or enemy trials so you get to you know check it out and, and try different abilities i do also like the small things of just upgrading your you know powers uh like the sword you get to this huge sword um, and that it stays. It's not like a, a temporary gimmick. It's a, it's a thing you can actually toggle back and forth. Uh, some of the challenges also make you use the weaker version. Some of them make you use the strong versions. Um, but it's just really charming. Again, it's a straightforward Kirby game in, in the sense that you're just going through saving Waddle Dees and killing enemies. But a lot of the little platforming and, and sort of keeping things fresh, you know, I'm surprised, really works well. Uh, I've don't know how long the game is uh, compared to other Kirby games. I'm in the desert area where you, after you do the winter snow area, you cross like the ocean, and then you're in a desert area. So I'm, that's where I'm at now. Um, I do a few levels at a time. I, I'm not trying to like blast through the game because uh, Kirby games to me once really are a, a one-time playthrough, um, unless I'm doing a full playthrough years down the line uh, but it's not something i'm gonna feel like especially since there's no trophy system or anything on switch i'm not gonna feel like going back to get that one waddle d i missed or or you know get the full stars in uh, the time trials or so because sometimes i'm off by like half a second and i'm just not gonna go back for it um unless unless it comes to a reason that i have to but it's it's cool that they just fulfilled the world a little bit they fulfilled it out a little bit you have the waddle d town which is really interesting um i don't spend a lot of time there i really just go to the coliseum to get a few unlockables 
I go down, make sure all my attacks are upgraded in the uh, blacksmith area. And I haven't really explored the rest. I know there's like a movie theater, and you can look at artwork and the figures and uh, the little, uh, call it the gotcha machine, the crank machine to look at some of that stuff. Uh, I don't really explore that too much. I really kind of just hit those two places, and then I, I continue on, you know, doing a couple levels at a time, endless challenging levels as I go. Um, but I got to give it to them. They were able to keep Kirby fresh and really give Kirby a new life because a big complaint that I've always had, and I've, I've mentioned it multiple times here, is that every Kirby game is almost the same Kirby game except, like, a boss or a small gimmick uh, where the first world is usually the woods and the first boss is Wispy Woods, and you get takes on those things. Uh, this one we had that trot. Like, spoiler, I don't know. You get the tropical tree you fight. Um, but even that battle is different, especially since this game is not on a 2d plane it's really broken up into a sort of 3d plane uh it's not as open as uh i think you said it well uh, when you talked about the demo it's not as open as like a mario odyssey uh more like a super mario 3d world uh, or land whichever one uh, uh those that uh, anyone's have played it's more more of that where it's like restricted but enough to have little secrets it's like and hallways. sometimes you have a, yeah like hallways um but it's it's actually really fun, you know, because it's especially when after playing you know, big games like Elden Ring, where sometimes I'm just like, you know, how many times you've died at a certain tree sentinel or whatever it is, and you're just like, I can't do this right now. Then you go to Kirby, and it's fun, it's relaxing. I can sometimes watch TV uh, at the same time and not like lose progress. Where Elden Ring, you got to do Elden Ring. That's that's all you're doing uh, while you're playing that. Um, so that's where I spent a lot of time. I, I have played a little bit more of Strangers of Paradise, the Final Fantasy Origins. And um, this is a game, and it, it's weird because this has only happened very few times. The more I play it, the less I like it. And um, it, it's getting to the point where it's like I feel okay about the game right now. If I keep playing it, I don't because th- I don't think it's going to do anything fantastic or new or breakout. And it's going to end up just overstaying its welcome. Uh, the story has become beyond cheesy and campy. You know, it had almost like this comedy sense to it where you, it's like so bad you got to play it. Or uh, like these old classic movies that people do. But it's to the point where it's, they really do say chaos a lot. And, and there's this whole thing where it's like chaos doesn't exist. And the guy doesn't want to believe it. And so now he wants to find this weird magician who's like, oh no, yeah, chaos like there's a lot of time there's like i want to say almost six or seven missions spent to and it's so dumb to find out if chaos is just a theory or a a sense of the world of and what calling what darkness is in the world or if chaos is actual a physical person that you can go kill and it's just wow it's it's uh i've the way people like to talk about it on a few discords i'm in uh, it's got the nomura stink on it (laughs) if if that dialogue is just is just kingdom hearts all over it where it's like oh i gave my heart to chaos and i got this armor and now you guys saved me i'm gonna join your crew and i also have a stone that vibrates so you guys should accept me uh even though i just try to murder you and it's just like that weird forced campiness of like that dialogue it's like remember those small sections of final fantasy remake that got a little kingdom heartsy uh especially near the end um amplified across the whole game and and it's starting to just really like constantly roll my eyes or i'm like i don't want to play this which sucks because there is some mechanical sections that feel okay uh feel old uh especially if you lock on and you move your character it feels like a a very old ps3 game so i don't know what my journey is going to be with that game Um, i don't know if i'm going to just push through it to 
to get it off my plate uh, or if it's one of those games where I'm just going to retire it and go back to Horizon uh, or something like that. Something that just feels a lot better to play and that doesn't just make me just <laughs> almost hate being this uh, this this anime fan because it's very anime service, Final Fantasy fan. So that's all I've been playing really. Uh, I've been trying to focus on trying to clear out some of these games. Um, I was gifted uh, a Ghostwire Tokyo, but I have not really touched it at all. Um, so I'm waiting before I, I dabble into that or anything else, really. So that's all I've been up to. Uh, Jabril, what have you been playing? Uh, yeah, sure. So I've also been playing Elden Ring. Um, and as we kind of spoke about previously to the podcast, I'm on the latter half of it. Um, it's just a matter. Yeah, the last two are obviously like really tough bosses. So I'm kind of just... I, I, yesterday I was spending a lot of time also passing because I, I was in like a triple deadlock of three bosses that I had uh, one of which to progress a story two of which are optional bosses technically but one of which kind of opens up a whole another section of the game that I really wanted to access um, and all three of them were just brutal but I was able to beat all three of them thankfully um, and it, it's kind of a matter of I was upgrading my weapon I and also just utilizing other people uh, using that multiplayer functionality, bringing people into the game. Sometimes you luck out and you have people who are uh, configured properly to help you out. Like, for example, I have, like, definitely a intelligence-strength hybrid build where, like, I, I, I do magic. Um, I, I have the Sword of Night and Flame, I believe it's what it's called, and you could do, like, that beam attack and the flame attack. Um, yeah, yeah. And so that's my go-to sword, and I made sure I get it to plus 10 yesterday. Um and I also have like this projectile rock move, so I utilize magic. But at the same time, my character is a strength build, so like melee is still an important part of what I do. And so it kind of helps when I have somebody with maybe some bleed abilities, maybe some better range abilities than I do, because uh, a lot of the magic I have um, is not—they're projectiles, but they don't have the craziest range. So. I lucked out, was able to get some people who I think were like configured way better to kind of complement my style, and were able to get through a number of bosses yesterday, which got me out of my deadlock, and so now I'm kind of just in the end game, trying to see it all the way through. I'm really at the point where it's like, I really love Elden Ring a lot, but I've definitely kind of gotten what I need out of it for right now, so I'm just trying to, like, see it all the way through. Uh, I'm so close to the end, so I, I'm not trying to, like, walk away or anything like that. Um, but also, to be honest, even if I do beat the game, there is the New Game Plus thing, which I'm really curious about, and then there's this other boss that everybody talks about, Melania, um, that I haven't quite reached yet for that side uh which is an optional boss technically but she has like some really cool stuff and it's a really fun boss fight um from what i've seen so i'm still kind of trying to work on to see if i can kind of do that as well before i finish so a lot to do in elden ring still really loving it um just like you definitely my game of the year as of right now not even anything even remotely close to even really competing with it um mm -hmm. and i don't see that changing too much we actually talked about one uh, we're going to be talking about one of the stories of uh breath of the wild being delayed to spring of next year yeah. which basically for me takes out the only i think significant competition with it what one could i guess make the argument for starfield but again that's very speculative as to what that game's going to ultimately look like when it's out um so for right now it looks like this is going to be elden ring's year um but yeah it's a brilliant game love it um, also, another one that you just mentioned that, thankfully, I actually gave it a chance. I did get Ghostwire Tokyo as well. Um, I was really, okay. really hyped about that game. And just for... Um, I, I'm moving soon, so I'm I, my time is very limited. So I kind of have to decide what I was going to play. And Elden Ring was 
occupying a bulk of my time so i didn't really have the time and, and bandwidth to get another game but i was like you know what let me just go ahead and get this because i kind of want to play this i want to talk about this um so i picked it up yesterday and i was able to play for about two and a half hours nothing too crazy but enough to get the sense of what the story is doing the world is doing and the overall gameplay loop and i love it i think it's really really fun um it, it's definitely got this kind of arcadiness to it where you're kind of going around the world collecting um and I won't get into too much specifics, but you're collecting uh, this kind of like souls, basically. Um, and then you <laughs> use that to upgrade and get XP, and you play around with your abilities. You encounter these different kind of enemies. I think they did a great job of recreating Shibuya. Um, and obviously, I've never been there, but it, it's a very realized city uh, filled with lots of cool things and collectibles. Um, the parkour mechanics are actually pretty decent and there's not something they really talked about um but like when i'm like climbing fences and jumping from things to things it works a lot better than you'd think it was considering that that's not like a core functionality of what they're trying to do in the game it's it's not dying light you know what i mean or, or mirror's edge or anything like that but the traversal is actually not bad at all so i wanted to commend them for that uh the game looks really well i'm playing on performance mode uh it's interesting because it has kind of like three technically four major modes that you can play in um, there's one that is a standard kind of fidelity mode or quality mode. There is your performance mode. And then there's this newer thing that they're doing called HFR, um, which I don't know a bunch about, but it's kind of like a hybrid thing. Uh, I'm not really messing around with that one. Uh, I'm just doing standard performance mode, but it, it's running really solidly. Uh, game looks beautiful. Really interesting story, interesting world that they created. Um, it's a very, very Japanese game. So if you're not into a lot of the kind of either the way they develop games um the way they kind of structure dialogue or even um some of the kind of cultural references with yokai and stuff like that then this game might not be for you but if you're in any ways into that kind of stuff uh, like i am then i think you're going to get a real kick out of this game um and for me i paid the full 60 of it i'm not um regretting that at all it's really fun because it, it kind of scratches that itch of like if you want to go through the world get more and more powerful but really focus on that kind of story i think you can play it that way but also there's tons of different side quests of just small odds and ends you can do around the world which is something that i've always really loved in games which is side quests are cool but i do kind of like those in and out side quests like you talk to an npc they want you to help them with something and you get these cute tiny little stories it reminds me almost like a ghost of tsushima or kind of a newer assassin's creed thing where you bump into this random person. Red Dead did that really mm -hmm. well, too. Where you kind of just yep. do something really quick, and you have these tiny little side stories that otherwise you'd probably miss if you didn't really try to do. Um, but there was, like, this little ghost in the park, and I talked to them, and they wanted me to fetch their little umbrella for them, and there was this ghost who uh, was in possession of it, so I snuck up on them, got the umbrella back, and they were really thankful, and it kind of, like, allowed their soul to move on. It's these tiny little stories that I think are really, really compelling and fun. Um, and yeah, it's really cool where it kind of hits that itch of like, if you like checkbox games, like if any way you're in, into Ubisoft games, but maybe they feel a little too shallow to you, I think you're going to really get a kick out of this game because you can go from, uh, basically area to area and clear out enemies and basically unlock these shrines, which will give you new abilities, um, with every shrine that you unlock. 
and that helps you kind of open up also parts of the map as well um and, and it's a, it's just a really cleverly designed game and you can get really into this kind of arcadey kind of gameplay loop that i think is uh, really really fun um only thing and it's not a critique it's just a concern of mine is that they've shown you basically the core mechanics of of what i think the game has to offer at least uh, about two and a half hours in and so i'm just curious to see first off how long is this game and how do they switch that up over time you know what i mean because mm-hmm. with games like this it can get old after a while where okay it's like you've seen you, you only want to clear out so many you know in, in some games encampments or, or settlements um and you only can get so many abilities before you're just like okay i feel like i'm doing the same thing over and over again so that's the only thing where i'm kind of like i could see how it can go that direction but it has not gone that direction yet so that's something i have my eye on but i'll probably have more information about how like it went fully um, on our next episode. It's going to be a little bit of a gap between this episode and the next episode, so I'll probably make a lot of progress uh, and go wire Tokyo by that point. But I think, Steve, you're going to really like this game. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to, to get into it. And yeah, by the time uh, we record, since we were going to have a small delay, um, I may be into it at that point. I, I, I mean, it's purchased, it's downloaded. Uh, again, I was gifted it. Um, just was like not in the in the process to, to jump in but i didn't even know about uh, some of that parkour mechanics i didn't even know that was a thing so i'm looking more forward to it now usually usually when you can give it some good thumbs up i get excited to play yeah i haven't bumped into anything that's straight up like parkour challenges or anything like that but there are yeah. points where like you're climbing scaffolding and there's a glide mechanism where you can kind of jump from one thing and kind of glide to the next um that is something that i don't think they displayed that much which if i was them i would actually kind of display because there's like points where like you will use this mechanism which is the equivalent of like you, you know you press r3 in a game and you'll get like this sensor that kind of alerts you to things around the world it, lots of games have that mechanic um this game has something like that too where you can kind of see through walls and see where there's like oh i need to get something up there and there's points where they have things kind of high up and so you kind of have to like jump around and climb things to kind of get to it um and then yeah that's a really cool mechanic so yeah ghostwire tokyo super thumbs up from me liking what they're doing there something that i completely forgot to mention uh on the last episode is gta 5 uh the next gen version Mm. came out and i played it and i I was like i completely forgot to speak about it um but yeah so i I guess i can give my thoughts on that um so for anybody who didn't know up until now the gta 5 version that people had been playing on the next gen consoles is actually the g uh the ps4 and xbox uh one versions of the game um they were not really optimized for the next gen consoles so it was basically the same experience you'd get on last gen just on the next gen console um maybe it had a marginal difference on the load times at that time but i don't think so um and so with this one they've claimed that this is the definitive series x and um ps5 versions of the game and so you get better visuals better performance um and so i'm gonna i guess tackle my quick review two tiers uh there's basically what's new that's offered and then what is the core experience still like um what's new that's offered very minimal so if you haven't played the game for a while and you're looking for new experiences to get out of this new gta uh port you're not going to really get much there there's this new garage system that they added uh with this new character um, that allows you for some cool car mods so if you're into the racing side i think you can probably get a kick out of it maybe extract a couple hours um but if not there's no new um heists that have come out with this there's no significant expansions or anything like that uh the contract expansion that they did with dr dre and franklin that was the latest uh story not not even story dlc but uh online expansion that they've released and that was obviously before this port that's still there but uh 
nothing unique to this next-gen port has been added to the game. So in terms of that, it's actually really minimal. I, I was a little bit disappointed in that regard. But then there's a kind of core experience. Uh, and I played both the story mode and the online mode to get a sense of what they were doing uh, fully. I would say that of the two major changes they had, which is obviously the upgrade in visuals to that kind of kind of 4K look and the ability to add to either uncapped frame rates or 60 frames per second. Um, and I, Well, actually, maybe uncapped frame rates is not possible. I think it does actually lock at 60. Uh, I would say the performance of that 60 frames per second is the most readily apparent difference for as somebody who's actually played a lot of GT5 recently. Um, the visuals are cool. Um, the ray tracing is really cool so they give you three different kind of, of playing styles you can either do a quality mode or, or a fidelity mode you could do a performance mode which is what i recommend or actually there's performance and um ray tracing on which is probably the way that's that's actually the way i play the most on which is kind of a middle zone so you get that kind of 60 frames per second but they also add ray tracing so you can get a lot of those amazing lighting and, and reflections that you get in ray traced games um, and so that's the way I suggest to play. I think there are times where it's more readily apparent that this is a major port than other times. If you're just driving through like sandy shores, you might be like, okay, the um, frame rate's better. I guess the visuals are better, but it's not like transformative. But then there's other points where like if it's raining and it's nighttime and you happen to be like, let's say in Vinewood, where there's a lot of reflective lights and neon lights going on from all the businesses, I think it becomes a little bit more apparent there. It looks like basically a decent pc running it without mods it's still not it still can't compete with the mods of course um but for the most part i think it kind of looks like a high-end pc experience i think overall it's pretty good if you were looking for a excuse to maybe burn a little bit of time and play around the world i think you could get a kick out of it especially if you jump into now you can do the online upgrade for free uh if you have the game right now for the limited window, I think you can upgrade to the full version, even with the campaign, for $10. That's what I did, uh, just so I can get that campaign to run through again. But overall, I would I would say it's, it's cool. It's not, like, an amazing upgrade. I wasn't blown away by it. Um, again, if you watch any footage from people playing this game on PC, this is not a massive difference from that. It's just kind of... If you've played it every single, let's say, week on console for the last couple of years, and then you jump into that, you could be like, oh, yeah, okay, this is definitely an upgrade. Um, but it's not enough, I think, to, like, elicit a whole nother, you know, hey, I've never touched this game, or I haven't touched this game in a long time. Uh, if you weren't looking for really an excuse to go back to maybe the campaign or play around with online for anything, I say skip this one. You're not really missing anything. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and, and, yeah, that's kind of my thoughts on GTA V. Uh, have you played it at all, this new version? Not not yet. I, I was tempted because I know there's a there's like a small grace period where you can upgrade your yeah. version for ten dollars. Um, even if I don't download, I think I'm gonna do that just to have it. Um, and I've been wanting to go back to GTA. There's there's like I've been I haven't played in a, in a long time, um, but I have always checked in and downloaded like the the money that PS Plus was giving out, and so I'm sure I have a lot of content I can get to. I haven't done any. GTA Online expansion, so I'm sure I could have overwhelming amount of stuff. Yeah, there you have for all me. the heists. Yeah, uh, yeah. But one big thing that has always killed me for GTA was the loading times. And I've seen, I think Digital Foundry or IGN did a side by side, and the loading times are phenomenal uh, compared. I mean, for comparatively, yeah. Compare well comparatively to what they were before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, not not to other uh, true next gen games, but you know, it was cutting down from 45 to minute load times to you know 15 to 30 second load times and so it's it's 
if we can get me playing better, I, I am way more interested in it. And GTA is this thing that just doesn't go away, and, and it's always called to me. I've practically bought it on every system now. Um, well, I will at some point. So I am really interested in it. I just I haven't I haven't done it just yet though. Yeah, yeah. I would say if you're talking like strictly like load times, because I know a lot of people were concerned about that. I think the biggest difference, yes, the upfront load time, I think, is been cut down significantly. I think it's still kind of uh, jarringly long for like a 2022 experience because not many games outside of rockstar games even have that kind of upfront significant load time like that's not that it very much feels like like a remnant of the past like you know like when you like fire up like midnight club and you're just sitting there while with with (laughs) rotating images uh for that game to load that doesn't really exist anymore you know you throw on horizon and you're you're in the game immediately ghostwire is the same way you're in it immediately elden ring it's pretty fast as a it has a intro load time if you die it has a little bit of a load time but again we're talking below five to ten seconds there um Mm -hmm. and gta's is still jarringly long they'll get it twisted i think the biggest difference is if you're playing like let's say story mode and you're switching between characters that's where i feel like they optimize it like crazy and that's decently impressively fast um is it is it instantaneous like some people have been saying i don't think so not in my experience but it's a hell of a lot faster like the load is not uh significant anymore so if you're playing as franklin you want to quickly switch to trevor or whatever like that that is pretty seamless for the most part and they did a really good job with optimizing that so everything in world is uh, loading amazingly no hiccups it's it's a beautiful game um but yeah when coming from like nothing and kind of doing like a fresh restart or or jumping into the game initially it's still pretty long uh, but yeah they have i think at least halved it which is i think something that's it's worth commending um for mm-hmm. sure but I'm really hoping that if they, with their next title, that they find a way to kind of address that a little bit more efficiently. Uh, just And I know their games are expansive. I just feel like lots of games are expansive, and the load times is kind of strange. Um, mm-hmm. And then lastly, just to end off my, my section here, um, I just wanted to give a quick shout-out to a game that is coming out tomorrow that I'm really excited about that a lot of people are probably pretty excited about, but not many people are talking about. And I haven't played it yet, but it comes out tomorrow. Lego Star Wars Skywalker Saga. I want to give yeah. a shout-out. I cannot wait for that game, and nobody cares about quality Lego game. Please be nice to the Lego game. I'm very excited about it. Um, it has all nine movies, and so that's definitely what I'm going to be playing. So I ain't going to lie to you. Like I'm definitely going to probably step away from like Elden Ring for a little bit to play play some Lego because I haven't played that since like 2011, and I'm like really hyped about it. Because um, it, it, even with like Force, Lego Force Awakens and stuff like that, I hadn't touched it. So I just want to give a shout-out. That's definitely what's going to be my time, um, massive time sink for these next couple weeks is just like going crazy because there's like hundreds of characters, all nine movies, um a wholly revamped combat system and you could take like um there's some degree of what do you call it when you take a not shelter behind something but you're shooting from behind barriers or stuff like that they've added that mechanism Mm -hmm. cover-based shooting there we go they added like cover-based shooting and stuff like that so it actually looks pretty impressive and i'm hoping it's not trash but yeah i just want to give a shout out to that game yeah i'm so curious on how that game's gonna do because i well i know once i see someone play i'll be like all right I, i have also not played Lego, well, any Lego game since probably the complete saga on Wii. So, yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, uh, it'll be there. It'll be there for me. Yeah, I'll I'll keep you posted on how it is because if they can meet the promises that they made and deliver on that, it's gonna be the best Lego game of all time, of course. Um, 
But delayed if, for two years. Yeah, delayed for two years. It's, it's been in incubation for a long time. This is a complete revamp. It's definitely their most kind of high visibility franchise that the Lego games play around with. They do lots of big city games and Marvel superheroes and villains and whatever. Um, but this is definitely the one that a lot of people have their eye on, and so. I'll be on it tomorrow, and I'll let you know how it goes, and I'll be paying attention to the performance and the functionality, the look of it. Um, also, there's dogfighting in space now, too, with the ship, so yep. it's, it's insane. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, if they can deliver it, I can see this also being one of the better Star Wars games, period, if they can deliver on it. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that goes, but I just wanted to mention that because I'm like, really excited about it. Um, but, yeah, we can move on to the first story. This is going to be – this is a huge one. So uh, – PlayStation Plus has been revamped, finally. So PlayStation has finally unveiled their revamped PlayStation Plus subscription, and starting this June, they will offer three membership tiers. So we're going to go through the three tiers. I'll give my quick thoughts, and then we can kind of discuss from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, first one, PlayStation Plus Essential. This is going to be $60 annually, and I'm going to include the link down in the uh, section down below if you would like to get more specific pricing details about what it looks like if you buy monthly, quarterly, whatever. Uh, but we're going to stick to the annual prices for just this discussion. $60 annually here, so this is basically in line with the current experience uh, and pricing as it is right now. Um, provides the same benefits of PlayStation Plus uh, members are getting today, such as two monthly downloadable games, exclusive discounts, cloud storage for saved games, and online multiplayer access. So this is basically as it is right now. If you didn't move at all and change your tier at all, you're basically going to be, be at this uh, PlayStation Plus Essential level. The second one, PlayStation Plus Extra, this is $100 annually, uh, provides all the benefits from the Essential tier, adds a catalog of up to 400 of the most enjoyable PS4 and PS5 games, including blockbuster hits from our PlayStation Studios catalog and third-party partners. Games in the Extra tiers are downloadable for play. So this is the first one that I think is a significant difference. They add that back catalog. So uh, now we're heading more into what I'd say like a Nintendo Online Game Pass type experience here. Um, And this is $40 more a year than the regular version. And then lastly, we have PlayStation Plus Premium. This is the top of the line membership here, $120 annually. Provides all the benefits from the Essential and Extra tiers. Adds up to 340 additional games, including PS3 games available via cloud streaming. A catalog of beloved uh, classic games available in both streaming and download options from the original PlayStation, PS2, and PSP generations. Offers cloud streaming access for the original PlayStation, PS2, PSP, and PS4 games offered in the um, extra and premium tiers and markets where PlayStation Now is currently available. Um, So if if you're able to have PlayStation Now right now, this will be offered to you, basically. Customers can stream games for PS4 and PS5 uh, consoles and PC. Time-limited game trials will also be offered in this tier, so customers can try to select games before they buy now obviously uh this is something that's been rumored for a really long time a lot of people have a lot of opinions about my quick thing is i think you and i probably both had kind of a negative upfront immediate reaction um just kind of hearing that 120 is like freaking crazy hearing that number up front um but once you kind of settle in on it and actually start doing a little bit of calculation it's like okay so we're talking about 400 plus 340 we're talking about like you know seven uh, almost 750 games there um and from all these different generations, both if you would like to stream it, you could stream it. If you want to download it, you can download it. So long as you're not talking about PS3 games, that's only uh, available via cloud streaming, which, again, 
we all expected, but it's still disappointing, unfortunately, that they just cannot find an elegant solution to that. Um, but if you do the calculations, actually, uh, with that 700 games and all that, 120 annually is actually cheaper per month than Game Pass is right now. Um, because unless you're you you got one of those discounted versions of Game Pass, uh, because some mm-hmm. people have gotten really incredible bonuses where they're paying like a dollar or a couple of bucks a month. Not talking to you guys, but if you pay the full amount, which I I, I don't know a hundred percent, I think it's around between twelve and fifteen dollars a month. If you do uh, the calculations, you're coming out between you know one forty and one sixty a year. Um, so this is actually a little bit cheaper than that. Uh, but again, I think. Game Pass is certainly one example of what this can be compared to, but again, it's definitely giving that same vibe of the Nintendo service. Except it doesn't look like it's going to be drip fed in the same way, which is is good. No, uh, which is good. So you know they're going to offer a lot of games up front, which is going to be awesome. A lot of people are really concerned about like, okay, so what games are downloadable? What games are streamable? From what I read, it like it sounds like if you're talking PlayStation, PS2, PSP, and PS4 games. They're all downloadable and streamable however you want. If you want to play all download, I think you're fine. Uh, PS3 is obviously only down, uh, you're just only streaming, but I think you can download all these games, um, and maybe with small exception, unless I'm misreading this. Overall, I am uh, cautiously optimistic. Uh, I, I Again, 120 is a huge hit, but again, not all of us always think in these annual Um when you're talking games like Game Pass and stuff like that, you always hear about like this monthly cost. So you don't actually really add it up and ever consider how much you're paying on an annual level. They came out of the gate with the annual numbers, so it can seem a little bit shocking. But then once you do the calculation, um, you know, $120 annually divided by 12 months, you're talking $10 a month uh, for the service. That's actually not terrible, $10 a month, um, if you kind of look at it that way. Uh, so overall, I'm actually not too bad i'm upset with it I'm, I'm overall pretty positive psp was a really really nice touch there's a lot of amazing games that i'm really hoping are on there um i'm really curious to see most of all the biggest question i have is when you're talking about those first gen titles like how comprehensive were we talking like if sony owns it i want it on there do not nintendo me with this weird thing where it's like you own games but for some reason it's not on the service uh and there's no License obvious licensing issues that's going to cause any problems is just not on there. Please don't do that. Um, and also third party, like who are they working with here? Like, are is EA on board? Is Ubisoft on board? Um, like, like who's on board to help support this? Uh, and and how robust is that third party catalog? I would love to see if like maybe Square could be on board and they could have all like the Final Fantasies available. If we can get some old stuff like Third Birthday off of like the PSP, I think that would be incredible. Um, what are your thoughts about this? Yeah, I mean, uh, overall, I think I think this is a fine way to break down the the three tiers. I know people were really upset when the rumors were coming out about Spartacus, about the three tier system, which is weird because it's uh, Xbox technically has the same three tiers. They just don't advertise it that way. Yeah. Um, but you know, super smart of them for keeping uh, what they call the essential now, which is hey, if you don't care about anything else and you want what you want, what you've been getting, fine, don't have to do a thing. Here's the place to push. You still get your two. Uh, they say two monthly games. We've been getting three or four <laughs> games a, a month for a while now uh, due to VR and all these other little things. You know, so you still get the exclusive discounts, cloud storage, and your online. All right? So it's like, I think that's a great way to phrase that out. Um, when you look at the other two tiers, you know, obviously is when you start getting to the Game Pass competitor. Um, and it's practically just Game Pass uh, with the small exception that besides ps3 games you have to stream and, and we knew that was going to come I, as much as i didn't want it to we knew that um 
the other thing is obviously day one games won't be on there and i don't want them to be on there um i wish that was not the case but on xbox but it's a we're, we're living a different world now um but overall it is exciting you know at first yeah you see 120 dollars a month uh a year you know like, wow oof, that, that's a lot but then i'm like that's really 10 bucks a month um that's less than i pay for probably streaming service i don't know what i pay for hulu anymore um it's a lot less than a year of netflix uh, so it's not the worst case especially when they're like here's <clears throat> ps1 ps2 psp ps4 um and specific ps5 games in a catalog you can download them you can stream them up to you um so i'm actually overall pretty content especially since before this was coming out there's a lot of leaks uh there's a big fake leak that and i even sent it to you i was like i don't know if this is real but this is here and uh the pricing was way out of whack and things were just thank god that one was that one was fake so in a world that we knew a the spartacus was coming or whatever the new playstation plus this is so far best case scenario um i i i I'm really just depends what games. This is that's boasting a lot of games, uh, 400 of the PS4, PS5 games. You assume a big part of that's gonna be first party. Um, obviously, third parties. Capcom is usually pretty in bed with with uh, Sony. Uh, Square, like you brought up, Square is usually pretty big in bed with Sony. So seeing a lot of these Final Fantasy games be brought over, um, and I'm really curious to see. Because I have not tried PlayStation Now on my PS5 um, with my own new Wi-Fi I have here in a while, uh, in a long time. Uh, I know that's just not what I like to do. Um, but the other day I accidentally, not the other day, it was probably a couple weeks now, I accidentally launched a game on my Xbox Series X. Not knowing you could just cloud stream it. I forgot what it was. Um, and it wasn't terrible. It actually worked really well. Um, and that's a newer game. So I'm wondering if... They've just worked on it at all. I wonder if this is a permanent thing um, because I just I, I, I feel like it's a permanent thing. I think Sony's just not going to figure it out. And they're just like, this is the best we can do. Um, but it's really about the quality of these. There's a lot of Sony-owned games and maybe not just Sony-owned, but, you know, Square and all these other companies. that These games that are lost in time, um, that if you don't download them, especially with the Vita gone, um, but there's specific games... Uh, I know there's been supports, but uh, Crisis Core, Final Fantasy Crisis Core. Oh yeah. Um, you cannot play that anywhere but a PSP. Obviously, if you were not condoning it, but a lot of people just emulate it. Um, I there was a big trick. There was a long process to get that even on. Remember that game wasn't even available digitally, so even on Vita you couldn't buy it and just download it to your Vita. Um, yeah, you'd have Vitas to hack it. Yeah. You have to, yeah, you have to roundabout it. You have to do this whole process, and it's super long just so you can play that. So it's like, these are the small things that's like, there's no reason that that game shouldn't be able to run on these new consoles. And it's just sort of locked to these, you know, generations. Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep was another one that way. Now, that game's been obviously ported with the collections, but that game was not available digitally. Could never play it again until they did these uh, ports. So it's like, I'm curious. Third Birthday is a big one. I'm hoping that they can maybe get uh, a lot of these Final Fantasy Origins collection that was back then. Um, who knows if we're ever getting the, the new Pixel remasters, but the Origins collections and all these other versions is where I'm really curious to see because, uh, honestly, I mean, the PS4 games, PS5 games, I probably own them uh, or they were given on PS Plus at some point. Uh, we see that that PlayStation Plus collection on PS5 is going to be folded into this, but they're also removing, like, Persona 5. 
Um, my guess is because Persona Five Gold, um, Gold uh, Persona Five Royal is going to be on there. Um, so it's just like, what other games are going to be on there? And and that's where I think they can really kill. Where I think they're going to be more neck and neck with Game Pass because Game Pass though they have a lot of games and it's cool that they have their games day one. Um, if they could get away with selling their games uh, and not having to put their games on day one, they would. But yeah, remember that that was a lifeline move that Xbox made. Um, so I'm glad Sony's not doing that. But I'm just curious what the quality of that catalog is because like you brought up the great comp- not the competitor but the uh, comparison Nintendo. You can't go play Metroid One on the Nintendo. I don't think you can. Uh, or you can't buy it. You have to use the online service. So yeah, it's like you can't weird. buy it's, it, but it is on there. It, yeah, so it's it's so weird that that's uh, certain ones aren't and they aren't. And it's like you guys own these yeah. IPs. So Zero missions not there. <laughs> yeah, it's like why is it this way? How how do we have a Sega Genesis thing and we don't have a GBA thing? So it's, it's super just awkward. And I think PlayStation at least the quality hopefully is there, and they don't just bog it with garbage because uh, Game Pass has a lot of garbage on there. Oh, yeah. I don't know who it's for. Um, I know especially when they incorporated the EA Play stuff, there's like 17 Plants vs. Zombie games. And I love Plants vs. Zombies, just the first one. All that other warfare stuff is weird uh, to me. Um, but So it's like that's where I just hope they curate the, the system a little bit. Overall, where we thought we were going to get hit with this really big price and it was going to be terrible, I was actually looking at this and I'm like, I may just do this. Yeah. 120 a year, just up front do it and i ignore it for the year it's kind of what we do with the nintendo plan uh game pass i some reason still do pay monthly um that's because they're weird with their thing yeah Um, i don't think you can do a year for game pass for some reason uh so that's where i will probably land just especially to try some of these psp games and i wonder the quality of these ps2 games that they're going to be on there because ps2 was a weird generation a lot of licensing so i'm wondering what they can offer but overall, pretty positive, and I'm actually really looking forward to this, especially since nothing's really planned out for this year so far. I'm hoping June comes around and I have some time to just dabble in some of this uh, back catalog. Yeah, so you're in, guaranteed, you're in. Yeah, most likely. Cool. Yeah, what was most interesting to me kind of while you were talking, I thought about was it's very interesting that they came out of the gate, sure, with like the offerings of the consoles that they're going to be supporting in terms of some degree of backwards compatibility with this feature. But the most interesting that thing is that they put numbers out. So 400 of the most enjoyable PS4 and PS5, 340 with the other generations, PlayStation, PS2, PSP, and all that. That's really interesting. Oh, and PS3. Um, because... You would expect to some degree the third-party games are going to rotate. That That's just the natural thing. There's there's no way they're going to have a game indefinitely that they don't own on their, their streaming feature. They're going to be in the exact same position as Game Pass is, so things are going to rotate. Some things are going to be on there for a while, you know, a year, two years before they rotate. Other ones, you know, like like uh, Red Dead and GTA Five were on there for six months, sometimes less than that. Um, so it's not uncommon. They're, things are going to rotate. But that interesting thing is... They put these numbers out, and if they don't immediately replace uh, games that rotate out with an equal amount that they rotate in, theoretically, you'd say that the offerings would, if not get better, which is the ideal situation, get worse over time. So that means, you know, 400, 340, let's say 700 games up front that you can get if you get the PlayStation Plus Premium. If they don't rotate things properly, theoretically, wouldn't you say that, like, in a year when somebody goes to get it, is there only going to be 600 there? Like, because if they don't yeah. rotate it correctly. So that's a very interesting thing is at no point have you ever seen Game Pass drop a hard number of games of what are uh, 
available up front like we're 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 offering up to i don't know 200 300 games up front they don't really talk about that so much as much as like though they're we're adding 10 new games this week or um with this bethesda merger that brings in you know 500 uh you know uh, 50 new games or with ea you know 50 new games here um but they didn't come under the gate with like a hard number of what are associated to the place um to the game pass as much as like playstation has which is just really interesting to me because i'm just curious how to, how are they going to handle that because that means they're going to probably have to rotate out their marketing too because if they're again if that if that ever swings in a different direction where it's like they pull off like let's say you know they do have a deal with square enix and um they bring in some of the final fantasy games the final fantasy games on game pass at least they wrote like they they don't even have all the games on there at once and i'm not even talking about one through six but like there have been times where like seven's been on there and then seven's gone and then they had nine on there for a while and then eventually came eight 13s are on there right now but i only think 13 2 and lightning returns are on there i think 13 1 came off so that you see what i mean like it gets weird Mm-hmm. And so it just makes me wonder um, what that's going to look like on the PlayStation side. Like, are they going to try to get ahead of this and maybe they have more comfortable relationships with some of these people that either they can lock in certain titles, which, again, I don't expect. I don't expect them to just indefinitely have Square Enix games. I just don't think it's going to happen. However, um, I think it's just interesting that they came out of the gate with these numbers. Um, what makes me wonder, like, are these, like, did they have a way of somehow cementing these now they do have the added benefit of their first party offerings being a lot more robust than xbox uh, not more than nintendo's obviously but way more than uh, xbox's in terms of numbers so you could say confidently that you know 100 to 200 of these games will probably never move guaranteed mm-hmm. um because mm-hmm. you know with like xbox it's certainly limited to obviously studios they own but it, it's a lot of those xboxes i mean sorry it's a lot of those Halos, those Gears, those Forza. Even the Forzas cycle out because of um, licensing reasons. Uh, and those are the ones that are locked in that you could say confidently, okay, like these aren't going anywhere. Now you could be like, okay, the Obsidian ones are going. The Rare ones are not going. Um, those ones are locked in. That's cool. With PlayStation, I mean, their first-party offerings are so robust. You're going to have everything from, you know, Bend, Media Molecule. You would expect Gorilla Cambridge or, or you know, at that time now Gorilla um sucker punch like the the names go on and on of these titles that are probably never going to move so you're going to have all these kill zone games theoretically you'll have resistance back on there um to some degree even though via streaming same thing with um the infamous series um and, and and even you can go back to like the sly coopers for example so twisted metals like there's going to be all these different franchises that are not going to move so it i'm just kind of speculating as to like what i think the future of this is going to look like and they, i think they have the added benefit that they could probably come out of the gate a lot more confident with these higher numbers um than maybe the other services can because so many of them are going to be first party and then even the third party mm-hmm. ones I mean, it's just, let's just be honest, like, PlayStation has a way better relationship with a lot of these major companies than some of the other ones, you know. Uh, Xbox, unfortunately, just has had a really hard time getting in bed with a lot of these uh, Japanese developers. Like, it just is what it is. And um, a lot of people like Nintendo, but Nintendo really is kind of, they, they have that blue ocean strategy. Like, they've always done their own thing. And so third-party Nintendo, like, is very on and off. Like, some companies play ball, some don't. But in many ways, Nintendo's made it their, made the biggest effort for them to be reliant on solely themselves. Um, and so, yeah, PlayStation is a unique opportunity where it's like, if anybody could pull off having these games for 
longer than you'd expect it's probably gonna be playstation because the adoption rate is way freaking higher on playstation than other consoles um and they just have better relationships with a lot of these companies so i'm just curious to see how that plays out but that's kind of my thoughts overall and yeah i'm gonna go in for the premium version just because i want to see that full catalog and what that ultimately looks like so i'm definitely in um but it's certainly it's like the the nintendo in uh with the n64 service like you're on a watch list like I'm, I'm going to buy in for at least a year, and then I'm certainly going to reassess. It's not guaranteed that I'm going to have this indefinitely. Uh, I'm going to see how the year goes, Absolutely. see what I think about the library, and if it ain't up to snuff, then I'm out of there. But um, Because, again, adding new stri- streaming services, there's just so many streaming services, you know, whether it be music, uh, regular you know, streaming media, and now video gaming. It just can add up after a while, so you need to come with the heat. And Game Pass, for me, has justified the cost. Nintendo was justifying the cost i don't know 100 percent with the n64 thing yet um it, i think it's getting there certainly with these dlc offerings now it's time for playstation to see if they can justify the cost i think they can and everything they've said so far says that they can more than justify the 120 year because again when you really think about it that's now less than the price of two brand new ps5 games uh, because now that they're 70 it's 140 uh for two of those so if you buy more than two uh ps5 games in a year that's already the cost right there that you're spending on playstation ecosystem so yep. uh, that's another way to look at it but yeah that, that's kind of overall my thoughts on it no yeah and i agree it's, it's one of those things like they're, they're saying the right stuff they don't always do the right stuff so yeah. we're at, we're unfortunately at that point where it's like all right we're gonna buy in to what you're telling us but oh boy if you screw it up trust me we will quickly yeah like i'm <laughs> re- watching you regress to our premium our essential plan most definitely yeah so i'll have to wait on that uh not too much longer you know they said june see how they yeah we'll see how they roll it out i i don't know if it's just gonna be a light switch move but uh or if they're gonna do a small rollout but we'll have to wait and see but uh yeah we're gonna have to be waiting and seeing for something else too we're about to talk about yeah uh so you mentioned it a little bit earlier but yeah the the sequel to breath of the wild zelda breath of the wild 2 has been delayed to 2023 uh the sequel to the legend of zelda breath of the wild has been laid to spring 2023 uh we had a tiny piece of new footage uh which i'll link uh in return uh series producer eg anomara announced and apologized for the delay in the video uh, in the video saying in order to make this game's experience something special the entire development team is continuing to work diligently on this game so please wait a while longer no specific reason was given for the delay uh, norma described a little bit about the game's am- amid the announcement saying as previously announced the adventure in this sequel will take place not just on the ground as in the previous game but also in the skies above however the expanded world goes beyond that and there will be an even wider variety of features you can enjoy including new encounters and new gameplay elements so this is something a lot of people have called i'm not going to go on a tangent i i think i called it too uh whether it was on camera or not i did call it zelda was not going to come out this year uh i guessed that from last year when they talked about it um but it was almost the writing was on the wall we've seen no footage uh we saw no game we thought that this was actually going to line up with maybe the oled at the time we thought a switch pro um i think that is even more likely now that in 2023 we will be getting a next switch uh i I don't know if it's the pro and i'm not gonna get people's hopes up or anything like that we haven't heard anything um i think that is probably gonna be that's almost like a shoe and guess uh for me um I do hope, though. I'm you know the Zelda games. Breath of the Wild was delayed forever. It went through a different art. If you go look at the original uh, Zelda Wii U re- uh, 
footage. It was before it was called Breath of the Wild. Completely different to the Breath of the Wild game we got. So this is nothing new that we got a, a, a big delay. I'm curious on, because I know a lot of people are guessing and they're jumping the gun. They don't understand how game development works, really. They're like, oh, well, this is in response to Elden Ring. <laughs> Yeah. guys come on uh, don't get me wrong there's a lot of elements in Elden Ring that I would like implemented in Breath of the Wild and uh, Elden Ring definitely coming out and being as good as it is uh, definitely did not uh, help Zelda it did put it put pressure immediately when that game came out and those after two days immediately everybody's thing was like Breath of the Wild is gonna have to really deliver and don't get me wrong that's not lost on Nintendo they they see it um that's the issue why I haven't even gone back to Breath of the Wild in a long time is because though I enjoyed it, I've always uh, since we started the show, I've always said that the game was over overhyped and it's a good game, not a, a, a masterpiece um, due to the empty open world and now we've had multiple in- instances not just Elden Ring uh, but you know Horizon and all these other open world games that are packed with content and make you feel like the world's alive and that's something i did not get in breath of the wild and i can guarantee you that's probably not something that was going to be as taken care of in breath of the wild too i don't think it was going to be something they were going to focus on um we don't know that because they have not shown anything of this game we still have that one trailer from e3 two years ago or last year so we don't know that uh there is no E3 this year, uh, that's been confirmed, so we know that they won't be there either, so it is it is strange that we've seen nothing for so long um, I thought that would at least, with the delay, they would show us a new mechanic or something that they've been working on and they haven't, so it there is a slight worrisome here um, but the, the fact that I keep going back to that, Breath of the Wild 1 was delayed for, <laughs> for almost the whole Wii U uh, generation um, which was short lived, but the whole Wii U generation life cycle Breath of the Wild didn't come out to literally the, the end of it, so it doesn't strike me as weird that it's been this long. Um, but uh, what do you think? Are you worried about uh, Breath of the Wild? No, not at all. Um, and then I think there's kind of like a handful of teams that I probably have like kind of full faith in. Um, and these are just one of the, the guys where it's just like I think they'll be fine. Um, I, I don't. I, I think the kind of whole idea of them in any way trying to dodge Elden Ring I think is comical um, just because they've been up against real significant games in the past and they've done just fine um, I think the Zelda team are, are completely fine I mean you have to think about how many classics they have under their belt and I don't think they necessarily fear games that they've inspired the creation of to begin with um, and so in many ways I think it certainly lights a fire under their butt to ensure that they uh, dev- deliver a transformative experience which i'm sure they are going to but i think it's also worth noting that a lot of the transformative experiences people are saying are lighting fights fires under uh, nintendo's butts they lit those fires under those those people's butts you know what i mean breath of the wild Mm -hmm. changed the game a lot of for uh, a lot of open world games in terms of physics mechanics and stuff like that um it was just revolutionary in that right and a lot of people have uh critiques overall about yeah, of course, like the hype level and the, the lack there of story and graphical and performance. Lots of people have critiques of it, but I don't think it's necessarily... You, I don't think you can really deny the impact of what Breath of the Wild did um, for open worlds in terms of traversal, in terms of physics mechanics, and then the way that you design the physics of your world, I think, are something that many games have yet to even really come close to. Um, so in that regard... 
I think, you know, it's it's worth noting that, uh, that you know, like, I, I think that they'll be okay, and they know that uh, overall. Yeah. And, and again, again, they're, it's Nintendo. They're in their own ecosystem, so I don't think, um, you know, Elden Ring has lit the world on fire, and that's awesome. Elden Ring's not on Switch, so no, I, I really don't think any Breath of the Wild sale could be impacted whatsoever by the presence of Elden Ring. And I mm-hmm. think if any... Um, company has been given the grace to kind of exist within their own ecosystem and allow their games to speak for themselves and not necessarily draw wider criticisms of what's going into the 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 industry at large it, it, i mean it's nintendo pretty much um think about like pokemon i mean our arceus though i think is a great game yeah. i really had a good time of it and again i know people are gonna argue oh well that's not Play, uh, you know uh, that's not Nintendo first party. I mean, Game Freak at this point <laughs> basically is, um, yeah. and I know technically they're not, but at the same time, um, Arceus was a great game, had a great time with it, but was doing it. It got insane praise on on uh, Switch for doing things that people were doing on the Xbox 360. Let's just be honest with it. So I think uh, they'll be fine. And also, you know, like they, they delivered the first time and I have a lot of faith in them. So if they want to delay it, that's fine. If anything, you know, my immediate thoughts were less so to do with um, whether this game was going to be good or not. You know, is this delay going to help them or not? That I thought less about and more so about what does this do to Nintendo's timetable? Their, their slate of offerings, you know what I mean? Everybody wants to have those major offerings for some part of the year. Even if you don't do quarterly, you want to split the year in half of that. At least have something in the front and something in the back. Um, yeah. And so that makes me wonder, what is Nintendo's back end? Is it going to be the next-gen Pokemon? It's very possible. Um, but yeah, we don't know that 100%. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just curious to see what they, they, they do for that kind of, like, fall holiday offering there. Uh, are they going to go full in on Pokemon? Do they have any uh, Mario title available? A lot of the times they kind of have that kind of annualized Mario Zelda thing that's not really thought of as annualized because there's it kind of ranges in terms of the quality. Sometimes we have a Odyssey-level thing, and then sometimes we have, like, a Wii U port. Same thing with Zelda. Um, yep. And so I'm, I'm just curious to see if they have anything from the back catalog that they're going to push. Is it going to be as simple as, like, I don't know, a Galaxy 2 and maybe a um, a finally the Switch port of that Twilight Princess Wind Waker combo? It's possible. Or or, are they gonna, or do they have something else in the tank? That That's, like, the broader implications of what I kind of thought of about it all. No, yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, it's, it's, it is unfortunately one of those things we just kind of wait and see because... Nintendo can either do something big to replace this, or, yeah, they will do nothing to replace it. Yeah, I, I could totally see if one company just leaves a hole. Well, I think Microsoft could do it, too, but they do that reluctantly because they literally have nothing to fill it. Um, but, no, I could totally see Nintendo being like, ah, oh, we, we don't have anything. They maybe have another Game & Watch thing, for all we know. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. True, true. All right, cool. So we can uh, cap off the show here. Another game um, that we're talking about, and not always do we do dedicated stories for like a single game, but these are like some big heavy hitters. And so finally, the new Witch, uh, Witcher game is finally confirmed, and there's some really interesting information that we got straight from um, CD Projekt Red. So CD Projekt Red has officially confirmed that the next installment in the Witcher series of video games is currently in development, uh, kicking off a new saga for the franchises. Uh, they are moving from the Red Engine to Unreal Engine 5, beginning a multi-year strategic partnership with Epic 
Epic Games. It covers not only licensing but technical development of Unreal Engine 5 and potential future visions of Unreal Engine where relevant. At this point, no further details regarding the game such as development time frame or release date are available. But uh, this is something that has been rumored for a lot of times. We've known that they've had hired people um, to be working on the next Witcher title. This is the first time they've officially confirmed it. The broader implication, obviously, is them moving from Red Engine to Unreal Engine 5. And for y'all that don't know, Unreal Engine 5 is a general, I think, Epic-owned um, mm-hmm. engine that tons of people use. Uh, Unreal Engine 5 is the newest iteration of that. Red Engine was the custom engine that they had that Cyberpunk runs on. And I believe also Witcher 3 ran on. Um, obviously, that... Uh, in many ways that yielded very different results but at the same time when you think about witcher at release it kind of yielded similar (laughs) results um it's not known for its stability let's just say and so then moving to unreal engine 5 a more uh commonly used thing i think would also you know yield amazing results uh for the next witcher game i think a lot of people misunderstand the engine thing and think it's like oh man they're gonna go to unreal engine 5 it's gonna lose all of that kind of cd project red magic and it's like i Y'all don't understand how game development works at all. Um, and I don't think y'all realize how many Unreal Engine game five games you play that you don't even realize they're all running the same engine. Um, so anybody who is a little bit concerned about that, do not worry. That does not indicate quality at all. Um, it just is the kind of starting point that they're using uh, for the engine development. But I think that's probably the biggest uh, news here. And I'm really curious to see about timetables and what the manpower kind of situation looks like over there at CD Projekt Red. Um, you know, it makes me wonder, like, how much of the team is on Witcher now and how many people are on on Cyberpunk? How many people have been pulled off of Cyberpunk to start working on Witcher? And in many ways, I, I'm wondering, like, are they going to just be like, you know what, like, screw it. Like, we did what we could with Cyberpunk. It is what it is, and we're, we're out of here, and we're going to put a small team to maybe try to fulfill the little DLC demands and kind of move on as soon as possible to the next Witcher title, or are they going to, like, try to split this kind of 50-50? You know, I'm, I'm really curious about uh, what CD Projekt Red from, does from this point onwards. Um, what are your thoughts overall with it? Yeah, I mean, it was a super exciting announcement. It was sort of random, uh, especially since CD Projekt Red, ever since the uh, Cyberpunk debacle has been pretty quiet, um, unless it was a patch for for this. Um, so it was interesting that they even released the image, and they talked a little bit about it afterwards, that we, we you know, everyone's like, that's not a wolf head. Yeah, I mean, not to, I mean, not to get into spoilers, we knew it wasn't going to be a wolf head. We knew... It wouldn't be Witcher 4, you know, there's a reason they're not calling it Witcher 4, because uh, though Witcher 3 has like 40 endings, it has a lot of endings, I don't know if you know, the Witcher, the Witcher 3 has like 40 endings. 40? So, really? Yeah, it, there's some wild amount, and some of them are like the same ending with just minute details. Yeah, like subtle. Someone lives, someone dies, there's subtle changes. Um, so I wonder if they're going to go in that direction where this will take place afterwards. We do know it's a new house, that, that the medallion is not a wolf head, obviously. It's a uh, lynx, I believe is what they ended up um, saying. So we know this is a new house uh, in, in the in the world, which means maybe some new witchers. I don't know who it's going to follow, obviously. we we It all just depends on what they choose to be canon. Um, I actually have a sort of inkling gut feeling. I'm actually reading through the witcher original books now huh? um i have more of a feeling that it's going to be a prequel uh which is uh, could go places um in a world where we have more witchers and before you know witchers were <laughs> this horrible that should not be named sort of deal um so it's exciting i i am glad that they're doing unreal engine 5 uh they've been using red engine for a long time they've been using it since i believe witcher 2 oh wow okay. and uh yeah so the only reason I, i'm really excited for that is uh obviously 
I played Witcher 3 at launch on PS4, um, and it wasn't the most stable thing. It had a lot of issues. Uh, Cyberpunk 2077, we're not going to even discuss that. Yeah. Right we all know what happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they had nothing. They only had themselves to blame for it. Now, if you start running into issues while using Unreal Engine 5, you call that hotline. You call Epic up. Hey, this is not working at this. And I'm sure there's guidelines and text and all these things. It's like, well, if this happens, you can do this. So at least technically, maybe no promises uh the game should run pretty well uh i know they're gonna probably put a lot to be like oh we're learning a new engine i i don't imagine what it looks like at that studio where half the team is now creating cyberpunk dlc on red engine and the other team is now experimenting on unreal engine 5 so i can only imagine what that looks like uh that weird like divide at, at, at their studio um it has to be really interesting but i mean this is all really good news. Again, we all knew Witcher was coming back. Witcher three was such a phenomenon. Uh, the Netflix, uh, the season Netflix seasons have really just skyrocketed. Uh, I mean, remember the the giant price, not the price increase, but the uh, sales of the first of Witcher three went crazy after this first season. So we knew it was coming back for sure. Um, it's interesting that they went on out. I don't want to hear about any more of this until they're ready to show something. Um, I say you get the Cyberpunk 2077 DLC out. Uh, if that multiplayer thing is not scrapped, you get that out. You you got to close the door on Cyberpunk um, because it's just always going to be like there was that time it was kind of, you know, in the talks again. We, we even talked about it. We installed it again to just try it. They, I'm like, all right, they fixed some things. Um, again, you and I had a somewhat lucky experience with it. And the most of the issues that you and I had from I remember our discussion really wasn't the technical running of it which was bad we, we both agree that they were bad um but a lot of the pure mechanics of the game were where i had problems with so i haven't gone back to cyberpunk in a while um since that initial update so it's it's just weird it's like you confirm it that's great i don't think you needed to do this i do see that they were like all right now that cyberpunk's way stable we got that 1.5 patch out let them let's let them know that the the, our redemption story is coming and it's like you you guys can say that all you want it's afterwards that we decide or that we look back at it that it's like they really redeemed themselves with their next game um and we don't know if that's going to happen for all we know witcher the next witcher game which i'm trying to even think or release window i don't know 20 2026 maybe 2024 at the earliest yeah, 23 is um, obviously way too early 24 sounds three, early so 25 yeah. maybe yeah i'm thinking i'm thinking probably announcement 25 delay to 2026 which is f- kind of interesting because you start getting into elder scrolls 6 that's territory. what i was about to say i was like yeah hey, elder scrolls territory because because uh it's a little interesting because uh, you're gonna have a, a war and uh they've never been uh, next just, to each other before no and, and you gotta think and again this is pulling things out of out of a hat horizon seems to have a curse to releasing it around these kind of things too yeah. do you imagine we get witcher around horizon 3 i don't know if there's gonna be horizon 3 i don't know how horizon 2 ends you got to assume there's gonna be a trilogy um but do you imagine we get we're getting a new witcher game around the tree you know the ending of horizon slash also elder scrolls is now coming it's just wild to yeah. think that no no offense but if i was a right if, if i was gorilla i'd move them I, I i wouldn't suggest going up against those two i yeah yeah i, I neither would i because these are 
these are gonna be those are gonna be a war yeah, of games. So it's really interesting to see. That's where I'm, I'm excited, obviously, to play. I'm hoping they fix a lot of the mechanics. I do have a lot of issues the way Witcher games run. I think being on Unreal Engine Five fixes could could fix that. Um, so I'm excited to see that, but I'm also just excited to see this in the wild out there. You know, at that whatever conference they choose to reveal this at, or whoever has that, or when they start showing that date and people are like start looking around, like that's when you have to start worrying because uh, again, Elder Scrolls is going to be the big one. Um, you know, Bethesda does have to sort of redeem themselves with Elder Scrolls Six, and CD Projekt Red has to redeem themselves a little bit too uh, with with the next Witcher game. So it's going to be an interesting just from the outsource, even not even playing the game, just just from the outside, from the sidelines, watching these things go. It's going to be pretty interesting to me. Yeah, and most definitely, and and kind of as like closing thoughts, um, I would say, and I know game developers don't necessarily always work like that, but. With these franchises being as big as they are, CD Projekt, um, you know, Cyberpunk and Witcher, part of me would hope that they could be as close to all hands on deck as possible um, for these respective things. And I know that's never going to be the case 100%. They always have like a subdivision of the team <clears throat> preparing whatever's next, you know what I mean? Like uh, when they're, let's say, in full development of like GTA 6, for example, there's always going to be a contingent of them getting that Red Dead 3 kind of thing ready in the background or, or whatever their new IP is or whatever. Um, and, and CD Projekt Red, I'm sure, is no exception to that. Um, and, and so part of me wants them to really, like, let's close out Cyberpunk um, and, and really, like, put, put some manpower in there just to, like, close it, even if that that is. If you, if you have to throw everybody at that just to ensure that you can, you know, hit the DLC and close it out, just so you can have everybody on Witcher, so you're, it's not this kind of divided thing going on where you have this weird game like Cyberpunk that's kind of in video game purgatory where it's like, okay, it's out, but so many people haven't gotten the chance to play it, and there's so many promises we made, and we're not even remotely close to delivering on most of them, and um, all these sales that we got, and I'm sure the player count is low. It's just in a weird state, transitionary state right now. Um, in many ways, feels like, anthony kind kind of to me when that was out where it was kind of like it was out but it almost felt like something else was still coming like you know what i mean like when anthem was out we were always expecting like okay that major anthem rehaul is going to come and then eventually just like ah no it's done all right all right fair enough um (laughs) yeah and and so that's kind of how cyberpunk is for me where it's like we know everybody's like waiting for this like major cyberpunk refund it's like okay finally we know we screwed it up but here it is um and with the announcement of witcher it makes me wonder like okay are they really going to just try to like hit the bare minimum of their guarantees like we're going to hit bare minimum stability make sure it runs and it's not crashing anymore um hit those what whatever i'd like think it's like two major dlcs that they talked about i think the multiplayer thing is probably never going to happen so that's done uh, and then yeah. be like, all right, sorry guys, it didn't go well, but we're gonna move on. And then we're on to Witcher territory, or are they gonna really try to have some manpower in this for a long time, and then try to co-develop Witcher? I don't know what CD Projekt Red's capacity is, so I'm not gonna speak to whether they can or cannot do that. Um, but part of me just wants them to be kind of dedicated to one, close it out, and then mm-hmm. move on to the other. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, that's just kind of my my feelings on it overall. But ultimately, we'll see. I'm really hyped to play this game. I loved Witcher Three. I never beat it, and I, I part of me wants to go back. But I, I played it so long ago that it's like at this point, it's like I'd have to restart it for sure. Um, but yeah, overall, I really loved The Witcher. I'm really excited to see what that looks like. You know, in many ways, uh, for me, when Witcher came out, I think it was what 2015. I think it came out something like that. Um, yeah. 
that it really changed the game for me for what an open world fantasy game could be on these newer consoles at that time. Uh, we're about two years into the life cycle of the PS5, uh, PS4. And I was really, like, excited about, like, okay, what does this mean? Because once upon a time, that was Skyrim. And I felt like, for me personally, this kind of redefined it even more um, in terms of, like, it was a game. Yes, it had performance issues overall, but it, was, it wasn't it was clunky. You know what I mean? And so it had this kind of relatively polished, as robust as a lot of these fantasy games that we experienced beforehand. Um, and, of course, you always had, like, the Kingdoms of Amalur and, and stuff like that going around. But um, it really kind of set the stage for what uh, an open world game on that console generation could look like and I'm really hoping that the the next Witcher game um, does that again because again Witcher 3 took things to another level Witcher uh, 2 while beloved by you know a particular community didn't really have that kind of broad appeal it wasn't until Witcher 3 that things kind of get to that next level uh, and so they have quite a bit to kind of deliver on um, to really keep that from being a universal disappointment, you know what I mean? It's one of those franchises that, from that point onwards, had a ton of eyes on them. Um, so much so that now the studio themselves has been kind of thrust onto a different level that they weren't on once upon a time. Yeah. You know, like yeah. when uh, right before Witcher Three came out, if you said to the average person, "Hey, you know, what do you think of CD Projekt Red?" An overwhelming amount of gamers themselves would be like, "I have no clue who that is." Um, and you say that now, you'll have varied <laughs> opinions. Some people are going to be like, oh, the cyberpunk guys. And other people are going to be like, oh, they gave us, I don't know, Gwent. They gave us um, Witcher. And then they had that weird cyberpunk thing. But, um, you know, like their name means something now. And so that means that there's going to have a lot of eyes. And I just really hope that they can deliver on that. And I think they can, even if their last offering was not their best foot forward. Mm -hmm. No, I completely agree. All right, so that was the show this uh, week, guys. Uh, we do every other week, but because due to my move, we're going to push it off a little bit. Um, so we're going to be the week after that. So you're going to see us before the end of April. Um, and by that point, we're probably going to have a crap ton to talk about. So I hope you guys uh, tune into the next episode. But this has been the Neo Vintage Podcast. I'm Jabril, and I'm here with Steve. Hope you guys enjoyed. And we'll see you then. Bye, guys.